So today I want to honor fathers. You have a special place in God's plan and uh, you're called to represent God as a father and you're called to represent the culture of heaven, not the Chinese culture. And uh, so we want to share this morning, I want to share a message and uh, I want to help you wherever you are. Uh, I want to share with you on honor, the gift of honor, and we're going to particularly put it in the context of honoring your father. The Bible does say honor your father and your mother, but I want to help you begin to grasp something about this area of honor. I, I find the Chinese people to be very honoring people anyway, and I always feel great honor when I come here, but I want to help you see something about this gift of honor, and uh, when we dishonor, the horrendous consequences that follow so that you can embrace the principle not as a matter of cultural duty but as a matter of this is the kind of person I am this is how I relate to people I treat people with honor amen so let's go and look in the word and uh, let's uh, pick it up in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, verse 2 uh, through to verse 4. Verse 2 through to verse 4. And so it's uh, Paul is writing to the Ephesian church and he is speaking firstly in chapter 1. He talks about what Christ has done on our behalf, how Christ has won a victory over spiritual powers and has risen as become head as our representative in heaven. In chapter 2, it tells us how even though we were dead in sin, Christ lifted us up and parted his life into us, put us into a place of honor uh, connected to him with the spirit living within us. Uh, in chapter 3, it goes on then to begin to talk about how we walk with God and in 4 and 5, the practicalities of how you live out your relationships as a spiritful person. In chapter 6, he begins to talk about a warfare that we all face. And that's not the focus of my ministry this weekend. We're focusing on the love of the Father. For those of you who have known when I ministered before, this warfare against invisible spiritual beings called demons, called evil spirits, is real. Everyone experiences it. And God has given you authority to win the victory every time. But if we don't understand it, we will be defeated. Now notice that these instructions that God is giving, including this one about parents, is all to do with the context of how to live a spirit-filled life and how to be effective in winning the war against evil spirits which seek to steal and rob and kill and destroy. We tend to look at isolated statements and miss the bigger picture. God is wanting you to live a powerful, blessed, fulfilled life, but there are ways that this happens. And when we become joined to Christ, the life with Christ begins. But there are some things we need to cultivate and grow in our life. And here's one of them. So here it says in verse 2, honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And then he goes on to talk about you fathers. Do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I like this, the, the passage in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, because often very specific. I remember giving a group of men, uh, I was having a study group with some guys, I said, read Ephesians 5 and see what God says to you. And uh, so anyway, they came back the next week, and I asked around the group, about half a dozen people, a uh, small group, I said, now what has God been speaking to you about? And they said, oh, well, here it is here. Wives, submit to your husbands. <laughs> asked the next one, what verse did God speak to you about? Wives, submit to your husbands. Then I went right through all it. All of them came back, and amazingly, God is speaking to all of the men through this verse, wives, submit to your husbands. And I say, you have all got problems. What is that first word, word that you read? See, it says, wives. So who is God talking to? A wife. Are you a wife? You're not a wife. Your husband. You read the wrong verse. This one is for wives. It's none of your business what God is saying to wives. 
You need to read the one husbands. That's the one for you. And if you're a boss, there's one called masters. That's for you. And if you're a worker, then there's one called servants. That's for you. If you're a father, there's one for you. If you are a child, I presume they all come from somewhere, then this one here is for you. So notice what it says. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, which is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment of the promise, may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So what does it mean when it says honor? In the Bible, it uses two words to refer to honor. And the word in the Old Testament is the word kabod. It's the same word as the word glory or weight. So it meant that someone had substance. So when it uses the word honor in the Old Testament, it's saying, put place weight on something. You can hear a person, they say his words are weighty. That means the words he's saying are impacting. They've got substance to them. So, so the word honor in the Old Testament, honor the Lord or honor your father and honor your mother, means simply place value or weight upon them. In the New Testament, he uses a different word. He uses the word tomeo, and it means to fix a value upon them. So if you have some items in your room, there may be some new items. You've got your new iPhone. Then I am sure you place a value if it's an iPhone 6 Plus. You will look at it, that's my treasure. You, you have a value you place on it. And so you've got other things in your room and I could go in and have a look at some of those things. I, What's this? This looks like a bit of old rubbish. You throw it away. You say, oh, no, 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 you don't throw that away. That's, got, that's precious to me. I said, but it's just rubbish. It's broken even. He said, no, no, no. This is something my grandfather gave me. It's precious to me. I've put value on it. See? So, so the word honor means to place value or weight, to ascribe value to someone. So if you're going to honor someone, you are ascribing value. You are treating the person as a person of value, of significance, and of worth. That's what it means to place value or honor on someone. And so that's the meaning of the word honor. Now, the thing is that honor is something you give. If I demand you honor me, then it's not a gift. I forced you to do it, pressured you to do it. You need to honor me. You need to do the. No, no. Now, listen, then what will come out will be certainly not honor. Honor can never be demanded, honor has to be given. So honor means you place value on a person, and there are a number of ways you can do that, and I'll share that in a moment. To honor a person is a gift you give them. If you can remember now, and keep in mind, honor is my gift to you. When I honor you, it is my gift to you. It's a placing of a value on you as a person. Now, our culture dishonors people. Our culture, and most cultures of the world do that. The world system dishonors people. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, it dishonors people consistently. And because anything that's flawed, the word dishonor means to treat like a mist or vapor, there's nothing to it. The word dishonor means to despise or consider having little value or little worth. So when you honor someone, it's a gift you give to say you're of great value. When you dishonor someone, then you are treating them as nothing, you've got no value. Unfortunately, most people embrace a culture and a value system of dishonor. Not always consciously, but we look at people and we weigh them up. Well, that person can help me get ahead. They're valuable. That person can't help me get ahead. They're no value to me. That person over there, I like them. That person, I don't like them. They're of no value to me. And so we divide our world up between those that we value, those that we don't value, ones we value, we tend to honor, or actually try to manipulate the relationship to get what we want. This is the culture of the world. 
or an elaborate system is set up where everyone bows down and there's this uh, kind of culture of position and, and so on. But this is not heaven's value of honor. If you, if you could step into heaven, you would find a number of things make up the atmosphere of heaven. And the first thing you would notice is that all honor and glory is given to Jesus You can see it through the book of Revelation over and over and over again. He's being honored. You are worthy of honor. Oh, you you are worthy of honor. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the blessing. Heaven is full of the honor of Jesus Christ. But heaven also is filled with a culture of honor. Everyone is of value. Everyone is of value. Now, what is the basis we can give value to people or honor people? Why would we honor someone? Well, the world's system of thinking is this. You give honor to someone because they deserve it. If they deserve it, honor them. If they don't deserve it, then don't honor them. That's okay to dishonor them. So, for example, we honor achievements. Someone does a spectacular sport event where they go up, they represent Malaysia and in, the, in, the, in the local games and, uh, and they get to win the prize. And then we put them up on a dice, put a gold war, uh, medal around them and we honor their achievement. So one thing, one basis for honor is achievement. If you have achieved something, it's right, you'd be honored. So in that respect, Jesus has achieved much on our behalf and therefore he is given great honor. He gave up everything, laid his life down, so he is considered worthy of immense honor. So much honor, you can't get into heaven unless you call on him. That's honor. Huge value. So one, we give it for achievement. Second basis that we award honor to people is character. Someone demonstrates an amazing character. So for example, uh, you look at someone like Nelson Mandela honored because of his character, how he handled himself in the face of injustice. We honor people because they demonstrated courage in adversity, and they've deserved it. So honor is given to people because they deserve it. They achieve something because they uh, uh, showed character. A third basis we give honor is this, because of the position the person has. You are honoring the position. So if the prime minister comes, whether he's good or whether he's bad, he occupies an office, and so honor is given to him. And that's true everywhere through the culture. There's a recognition that people hold certain positions. It's good that you honor them. It's appropriate you honor. Honor is owing. But there's another basis for honor that the Bible is very, very clear about. Honor from God's perspective, means we ascribe value on people not because of their achievement, not because of their character, not just because of their position, but because they are of intrinsic value to God. So when we look around people, we we make decisions. We say, well, let's have a look. We find out, well, how much are you worth? Oh, he's worth a lot. That's very valuable. How much are you worth? Oh, you're in debt. You're not very valuable. And, and we start to put people into categories, valuable, not valuable. And when we do that, we are being partial. We are judging. When God looks at people and sees people, he says, this person here, he is of immense value to me. I sent my only son to die on the cross. He has great and immense valuable to me. If you want to see how valuable something is, check out its price to buy it. And so when God looks at you, you say, well, I'm not very valuable. I've been abused. I've gone through heartache. I'm addicted to drugs. And and I'm just, my life's a mess. I'm, I'm right at the bottom. You know what? God looks at you and he says, well, I paid a very big price for you. Don't say you're of no value. Your value has got nothing to do with your achievement or your character or the position you have. Your value has to do with the fact you're made in the image of God. You are worthy of value and honor. 
And that's the basis that we operate in the world. We bring a culture of honor wherever we go. You go into a supermarket and you'll find there often people working in the supermarket. They're very busy, very stressed. People kind of hurry up, hurry up, get my things through, blah, 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 rather, rather than honoring them. Thank you for helping me. Honor finds expression. If you carry the culture of honor in your heart because you've received honor and you have received honor, you may not realize it, but you give honor to people because you've received honor yourself. It doesn't matter how people have treated you. Maybe you have been dishonored in all kinds of different ways and badly treated in all kinds of different ways. Jesus' response to that was, Father, forgive them. Isn't it amazing that God would come and manifest his presence with us? That's honor when you're present with people. So God has placed immense value on every person. So when you look at them, you can look at how they dress and make, ooh, they're Tattoos, you know? So we tend to look externally. And when you look externally, you'll judge and you'll despise. And you'll divide the word up to those who you value, those who you don't value. But God says, I have put value on you. I want you to express my value, the value I gave you. I want you to let that flow to people. I therefore want you to treat people, all people, with honor, not because they deserve it, but because you are an honorable person who gives honor to people like I do. It's a hard concept to get a hold of because we're so entrenched, if they don't deserve it, I shouldn't have to give it. And if I have to give it, I do it resentfully and reluctantly. But God's kingdom is a kingdom where honor is a basic value. We treat all people as having great value. Notice this. In Mark chapter 1, when Jesus met the leper. Now, the Bible tells us this man was in an advanced state of leprosy. That means his body was in a major state of decay. He smelled of dead and rotting flesh. He was abandoned, rejected, lived isolated, lived in a leper colony. And it says Jesus touched him. He didn't just heal him. He connected to him to show him he's of great value. One of the biggest problems a leper would have is no one will connect with me. A deep feeling of rejection watching his body fall apart day by day. No one loved him. No one touched him. No one touches lepers. No one even gets near lepers. And Jesus touched him. So God places value on people. And it's nothing to do with how they have performed. Now, I've shared this part first because when we come to looking at the issue of honoring your parents... This is a requirement of God that we honor our source, but God requires us to honor all people. Let me show you people in the Bible that the God tells us to honor. Then we're going to look specifically at honoring your parents. So the Bible is very clear about who we honor. So you may think, well, only the pastors get honored, but listen what the Bible says. In, in 1 Timothy 5.3, it says, honor widows who are real widows. And, and real widows are ones who have raised their household and serve in the church and are generous. Uh, in 1 Timothy 5.17, it says, honor those elders who labor in the world, uh, the word. So in other words, you're saying, if a person is in leadership in the church, give them honor. Uh, in 1 Timothy 6.1, you have a boss, you work for someone, honor your boss. Most places I notice, people dishonor their boss and they participate in criticism against him. That's something you want to avoid. If you want to carry the gift of honor, you must learn to silence criticism. Whether it's justified or not is irrelevant. God says, honor the boss. Honor the person he's positioned over you because it reflects your relationship to him. And husbands, here's this one. Here's one for you. Husbands, husbands, husbands. 1 Peter 3, 7. Honor your wife. Honor your wife. 
He thought you just had to love her, but God wants you to honor her. Treat her as someone of immense value. He says, honor your wife as the weaker vessel. And it says, knowing that if you don't, God won't listen to your prayers. So your prayer life will suck. It's pretty, 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 pretty straight. You can pray your heart out and God's not going to hear you because you're dishonoring your wife. So honor is all kinds of places. Here's another one. 1 Peter 2, 7, honor, the 1 Peter 2, 17, honor the king. Or in this country, it's probably a president. But I don't like him. Well, it's got nothing to do with you like him. It's about representing the king of glory. It's about representing the culture of heaven. It's about bringing heaven to earth, honor the king. But he doesn't deserve it. That's not the point. We don't operate on that way. That's the way the world operates. We give honor because that's who we are. And we honor God's word by keeping it. How about this in 1 Peter 2.17? 1 Peter 2.17. You're going to love this one. Honor all men. It's not just referring to men now. It's referring to men and women and children. Now, what are you going to do with that one? Because God's very, very clear, honor everyone. Now, we kind of get it ranked out. Some people deserve honor. Some people don't. This one's a cell leader, so he gets this much honor. And this one's his own leader, get a bit more honor. He's up to here, associate pastor, a bit more honor. So, well, we've got it all ranked and figured out. But God just says, honor everyone. And so if we're called to honor everyone, that means the president's called to honor the people under him, the boss is called to honor the workers, the father's called to honor his children, honor his wife, everyone under his leadership. We tend to live in a culture where we think honor just goes one way, up. But that's not biblical. Biblical honor goes two ways. So we're called to Honor upwards and honor downwards. We tend to despise downwards and honor upwards because we want to get ahead. That's manipulative. That's not God. It's the world's culture. So God calls you to honor. Here's an amazing thing. It tells us that Jesus, and we know that he was the Lord. He did all these miracles. He's followed these disciples. One of the last things he did before he died on the cross was he gathered his disciples together and then he had, a, he had a meal with them. And of course, they all sit down to meal. And then he goes and washes their feet. How can it be that God Almighty is washing my feet? Surely, the feet of the greater are washed by the lesser. How can this be? It's very simply. Because in the kingdom... In the kingdom, everyone is treated of value. And what Jesus is saying is I want you to know that no matter what position you hold in the kingdom of God, you will always stoop to honor people and value people and enter the messy places in their life and serve them. See, we get our culture of honor mixed up. We tend to think of it going only vertically. But actually, honor starts with God honoring us with his presence. Think about that. One way you honor people is you are present for them. You turn up. Someone dies, we go to the funeral, and our presence there, even if we say nothing, honors the person who was dead. When someone turns up at your event, they are honoring you with their presence. But how if God Almighty turns up in your life? Amen. He is honoring you with his presence. So honor is two ways. God honors us, and then we in turn honor him, and we give his gift of honor to all. All you've got to do is look around you. Honor is who I am. I give honor because, not because people deserve it, but because of who I am. I'm an honoring person because I'm a kingdom person. Honor parents? Yeah, that's straightforward. Honor children? Sure. That's why I noticed it said, children, honor your father and mother. May go well with you. Fathers, don't provoke your children. In other words, 
treat them with love and value and don't do things that get them angry and frustrated and rebellious against you. Well, you wouldn't do that, would you? Well, I was in a meeting and it was a youth meeting. Must have had about 400 young people there. It was up in Taiwan. And we were having a move of God. It was great. God was moving. The love of God was flowing. Young people were being healed of rejection. And in the middle of it, God said to me something. I said, what? He said, yes, that. I said, what? You'll have to teach me about that. He said, I want you to minister to these young people who have suffered under scolding. I said, really? What's that all about? And he said, oh, scolding is where you use words mixed with anger to hurt them and shame them and control them. It does not produce godly discipline. It produces broken hearts. And I said, wow. Then he dropped in. He said, words are death and life. And scolding is a cultural thing that's not part of the kingdom of heaven. It's a way of shaming people. He said, I never shame people, and I never use words to cut them down, humiliate them so that they will be disciplined. He said, that's not my discipline. That's a cultural thing. So I had an altar call. I just said, you know, we're in the move of God's moving everywhere. And I said, I said, listen, God just been talking to me about this and about this whole issue of being scolded and being hurt by the words of fathers and hurt by the words of mothers. And, and, and uh, I, I just have an altar call for that. And, uh, and I said, this is what the Lord showed me, that, that there's death and life in the power of the tongue and, and that the big problem with this is that there's a slashing of your soul and spirit using the power of words laced with anger and a spirit of murder. And it produces shame and grief and pain you. Would you like to come up? Well, the whole lot came up. I couldn't believe it because I'm about ready to go. We had a, a meeting. Uh, I had to catch a plane and this is my last meeting and I've already finished the meeting when God dropped this into me. And I'm looking and think, dear Lord, there's 400 people here. What on earth can we do? And so I, I said, look, here's what you need to do. You need to lift your hands and acknowledge your pain and your shame to the Lord. And then forgive. And you'll make room for God to heal you. And so I led them all in a very simple prayer. And they forgave fathers and mothers, whoever else, teachers and various other people, pastors and leaders and all kinds of people, I guess. They're just people who had been over them that shamed them and hurt them. And then it started. We had one of the most massive deliverance meetings I've ever been in. I've been in heaps of them. As we started to lay hands on people, the screaming started. And there was just, people were screaming as demons of uh, hatred and bitterness and anger and death, all kinds of uh, rejection and addiction, all kinds of things left them. And everyone we laid hands on them, the power of God hit them, they were on the ground. When we got to the back row, I was amazed how quick it took. It was, I thought, 400 minutes, take a little while to do this. The power of God just swept them. And then next thing I know, all 400 are on their backs, on the ground, crying as they start to feel the healing love of God who values them, restoring their heart. So we had to leave to get to the plane. And I had to walk out, leave them. They were all out to us. I said, well, I can't do anything more now. God's doing it now. I'll just get to my plane so I don't miss the plane. <laughs> and, uh, but I never forgot what happened. So let's go and finish this now and, and pick up how we're going to do this honor thing. So we've seen, first of all, honor is part of the culture of heaven. We found that honor is a gift you give people because God gave it to you. We found the basis for honor is achievement and character and the role people take. But for us, honor is a matter of our gift to people who God values. We've seen a whole range of people that God calls us to honor. But now let's just focus on honoring your parents. Honoring your parents. Jesus honored his parents. Did you know that? At, in Luke tells us, I think around about 2 verse 52, it tells us, 51, 52, it tells us this, that Jesus 
parents came down to the temple at the Feast of Passover, Jesus knew at the age of 12, his destiny was to be trained in the house of God. And so he went there and he expected his parents would understand that he's raised, this is his life mission, is to bring ministry to the nation, so that's obviously the place you go because the culture was at the age of 12, you started to get them apprenticed in their call. And so he's at the age of 12, he's be apprenticed in his call, he should turn up and hang out in the temple. So they all go to the feast, he hangs out in the temple, the parents start to leave, and they travel three days before they realize he wasn't there. Or a day, so they took a day, and then it took three days to find him, and they never thought to look for him in the temple. When they come into the temple, they found him asking questions and listening, and, and he's having a wonderful time preparing for his ministry, and this is what they virtually said. What are you doing here? Don't you realize how much trouble you've caused us? You, you get back here right now. You get back home with us. You come with us. And he said, didn't you understand I have to be about my father's business? No, they didn't understand. But it says he submitted to them. He honored them. He should have been here doing his training. Instead, he trains as a carpenter. But he submitted and showed his honor for his parents. And then when his right time came, get this. When the right time came, he found out who God had anointed and submitted to him. We realize that John the Baptist baptized Jesus, but what most don't realize, the only anointed ministry of the day, and Jesus made about an 80-mile journey so he could place himself under John's authority to release him into his own ministry. Jesus understood honor, practiced honor. And so it tells us here, therefore, honor your father and mother that it may go well for you. Now, so the first thing is, how do we go about honoring? And the secondly, what is the the, the blessing or the consequences of it. And I'll, I'll, I'm not going to develop that much, but I'm going to give you enough to catch this. So honor. Now here's the first thing. Is one of the ways you honor a parent or any person is you give them time. You turn up to be with them. You make time to be with them with the person. When you turn up and you're present, I mean, not you've got to be present, you know. You know, one of the worst ways you can dishonor someone is you're in a conversation with them and they get on the phone. They're they've just, there's no such thing as multitasking. Forget that. But the, the research on the brain tells that what happens is this. You stop one task, you go on to the other, and then you go back again. So when you go on to this, you've disconnected here. It's just a burble in the background while you go somewhere else. And now we're back again. It's not honor. Not honor at all because you're just not there. So one is time, your presence. So God honors us by coming and putting his presence in our life and saying, I'll never leave you. Second thing is, and second way we can honor, is words of value, words that are meaningful, and particularly words of gratitude. Many children grow up with a sense of of entitlement, which leads to ingratitude. Ingratitude is a deep, dark path away from honor. As soon as you take what someone gives you for granted by not expressing gratitude, you have dishonored them. You, you, they have given you something and you have not treated it with value. You took it as though you were entitled to it. You never said thank you. So one of the simplest ways you can honor your parents is to say thank you. you know, some children come home and there's a meal on the table. Hey, what's this? Rather than say thank you, Thank you for preparing the meal. There's a lot of people in this world go hungry. I'm thankful I have food. Gratitude is one of the major ways you express honor. You appreciate them. The word appreciate means increased value. It's to honor people. So when you thank people, you are honoring them. Thank them specifically. Thank you for giving your time to do this for me. Thank you for so consistently doing this. If you're struggling with issues in your family background, probably you're ungrateful for what you did get and you're focused on what you didn't get or thought you should have had. Practice gratitude. You know how we come into the presence of God? Practicing gratitude (laughs) and then appreciating Him for who He is. 
It's called thanksgiving and praise. And God says, if you want to come into my presence, here's how you do it. You have to treat me with respect. You have to honor me. And this is how you honor me. You start by sharing gratitude, and then you start to acknowledge what I've done in your life and who I am. So the moment you start to dishonor someone, you will treat them badly. Or putting it another way, the people you treat badly, you first dishonor them. Well, well, they're just this, or they're this, or they're that. So therefore, I can treat them that way. So we treat people badly because we've already dishonored them in our heart. But imagine if you were to start to ask God to, first of all, shift your heart so you were full of honor and value that he has given to you, then you begin to start to value people around you. Start to change your life, start to notice them, give them some attention, give some acknowledgement. Uh, acts of kindness and service are another way that you can show honor. Acts of kindness and service, where you do kindness. Jesus, the Bible says he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, he went about doing good. Acts of doing good to people show that you value them. Spontaneous gifts, spontaneous thank yous, spontaneous hug, a spontaneous service, something they didn't expect. These are all ways that we can honor. So we can honor our parents. How many of you said thank you to them for their sacrifice to put you through university? How many of you said thank you to them for laboring hard so you could be where you are? Or did you just complain about the things you didn't get? Was your focus on what didn't happen rather than what you did have? As soon as you start to, have a look. If we were to draw a line right along the stage here and down here on uh, the right, that's where people are, they're, they're extremely wealthy and down here on the left, they're very, very poor and you're somewhere on that path, okay? Now, if you keep looking up at the people who have more, you'll feel dissatisfied and you'll be to dishonor those around you. If you look around and say, oh man, look at how blessed I am. All you've got to do is see what you have and honor those who helped it be. Yeah. Honor your father, honor your mother. Your mother carried you in the womb. You say, well, she was a, she was a what, what if my father was a very mean man? What if he treated me badly? And, and what if he abandoned the family? What if, what if he did all of these kind of things? Or if your mother, well, she had a breakdown. She was an alcoholic. My mother left the family. She treated us very badly. She had a voice. Ooh, it was like a knife. It could cut men down across the room with one look, let alone the words. So what about... If parents have failed, that doesn't mean we don't honor. God says, honor your parents, your source, because there's a promise goes with it. And here's the promise. The promise is this. And notice this, Jesus reinforced it. This is the first commandment with a promise. Honor your father and your mother. Two things. One, it may go well with you. Two, you live long. Or putting it another way, You'll be a healthy person, or and, and life will actually prosper for you in many ways. The alternative is this, is if you dishonor your parents, if you hold an attitude of bitterness, disrespect, because of how they've treated you, or because of some perceived lack, and in many families, there's horrendous things happen. In fact, they've got to drag the children out to keep them safe from terrible parents. But no doubt they were abused. Someone somewhere has to stop the pattern of generational destruction, and this is you. Someone has to stop it. So no matter what they may have done that's evil or has hurt you, you've got to make a decision. Honor is my gift to my source. Because if I dishonor my parents, then I'm dishonoring myself because a part of me, a part of my parents is in every cell of my body. That's why people who dishonor their parents struggle with rejection, they struggle with a lack of identity, and they're forever unhappy, restless, striving, competing, all kinds of issues going on in their life. The Bible's very clear, if we honor our parents, life will go well and our health will be better. The converse is true, dishonor your parents by judging them, uh, bitterness against them, hostility towards them, and life won't go well and you will have health problems. Let me just give you a couple of examples of this. 
I could give you heaps of them, but just in case of time, I'll just keep it down to just two or three stories just to show you this at work. I remember talking to a group of gang guys, gang members. Had about 10 minutes to talk to them, and I began to talk about honor and honor your father and your mother. I said, did ever you any say, I'll never be like my old man, I'll never be like my father? Never. Or did any of you, if you're a woman, say, I'll never marry anyone like my father? Well, that's called an inward vow, a promise you make yourself because you're hurting and you've never resolved your hurt in the biblical way of forgiving. It's a hardening of your heart and it also means you have made a judgment against the Father and in this case, you're gonna reap what you've judged. Let me give you a couple of stories of it. I pray for one, one young man. He came to me because the cell leader brought him to me because he having conflict with the cell leader and he couldn't resolve it. I said, tell us what the problem is. He says, the guy, I don't like my cell leader. He's, he's not fair to me and he picks on me, he's unjust. I said, okay, how do you get on with your boss? Well, I don't like him either. He's unfair to me and he picks on me. I said, oh, really? How'd you get on with the other job you had? He said, well, I, I left that because the boss was unfair to me and picked on me and, and, and uh, I just didn't like him. I said, well, do you ever have any job that worked out good? He said, yeah, I loved it in the army. It was great. I had lots of friends in the army. So I said to him, well, how'd you get on with the officers? Well, I didn't like them. That's why I left in the end. They, they were unfair to me. They picked on me. I said, oh my, this is a very tough life you're having. And uh, I said, tell me about school. How'd you get on at school? I left early. I said, why'd you leave? Oh, the teachers kept picking on me. The teachers were unjust to me and unfair. And, and I felt they never really accepted me. They rejected me. Oh, really? I said, well, how'd you get on with your parents? He said, it's not my natural parents. They adopted me. And uh, I, said, I said, really, how'd you get on? I said, well, my dad kicked me out of home. He was always picking on me. I said, listen, can you see you've got a cycle of failure happening over and over and over, and the only thing in common is you. This is not about those people, your bosses, your teachers, your, your parents. I said, they took you in. They did the best they could. I said, this is an unresolved bitterness against the parents who adopted you and a judgment against them, and this is what's affecting you. You need to repent and forgive, and let it go, and start to honor the people in your life so you don't have this pattern and cycle continue. I had a girl in Taiwan came to me, they asked me if I'd counselor, and I don't normally do that in a church setting, but anyway, they, they, it was arranged, so I did it. And so uh, I, said, I said, what's your problem? She said, well, uh, I wanna marry this, this guy's asked me to marry him. I said, really, he's asked you to marry him? Well, that's quite a good thing, I suppose. Is he a Christian? She said, no. I said, well, we could stop now and this will all be over, I can go home. And, uh, but since we're here for a little bit of time, we'll ask a few more questions. So I said, why would, why would you marry this guy? And she said, well, tell, I said, tell me the story. She said, well, I was going with him for a while and we broke up and now he's come back and he wants to marry me. I said, really? He said, oh yeah, and after I broke up, I had a reaction and I got with this guy and slept with him and now I've got a baby. And, and she said, but now this guy's come back and he wants to marry me. And I said, well, why did you leave him in the first place? She said, oh, well, this is why I left. Uh, he, he was unfaithful to me. I said, really, unfaithful to you? Okay, uh, unfaithful to you three times. It was a good decision to leave. He's not become a Christian, so he hasn't changed. Why would you be drawn to such a person and then I asked her this question tell me about your father oh I don't know him very well why is that well marriage broke up when I was about 13 and I haven't seen him much since then I said why did it break up and she said because he was unfaithful to my mother I said can you see that you have a bitter judgment in your heart you've dishonored your father you've said I'll never marry anyone like him and you're being drawn into the same disaster. Because you've dishonored him by judging his failures and his lacks, you've now set in place a cycle of reaping pain and destruction in your life. You need to repent and forgive him and bless him and honor him. Thank God for him, he's given you life. There's another story just finished within the Bible. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 6. It's about two people who really love one another deeply. Their names were David, King David, and Saul's daughter, Michal. And the Bible says she loved David. She just thought, oh, 
loved him. She loved him passionately. And of course, he was the hero in the nation. He was a great, handsome young man. He was a worshiper. He carried the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And she just loved him. And they got married. But her father, Saul, hated him and was envious of him. And so he, he conspired to kill him. And, and so Michael got the husband out the window. And, and then her father became very angry. And, and so he, he really treated them both very, very badly. He was an abusive father. And so he hunted down David and put a, a reward out, kill him on sight, bring this head back to me. And then he told his daughter, he said, that man's as good as dead now, you're gonna marry this man. And she, he forced Michael into a marriage she never wanted. Forced her to sleep with a man she didn't love. And every day, her heart is aching to the husband that's gone and won't come back for her. And she's angry at her father for his unjust treatment. And it becomes a deep-seated bitterness in her life. David, in the wilderness, hears that his wife is married. And he's heartbroken. This is his first love. And an opportunity is given to kill Saul. And he refuses to take it because he stays in a place of honoring God. Therefore, I'll honor this man, even though his life is horrendous. Later on, as it always happens, God found a way to establish David into his role as king. The first thing he did was to bring his wife back to him. The second thing he did after they came together, there's two young lovers, and this just should be the best season in their life. They've had a promise of God. They've had God come on their lives. They've been in a place of blessing. Now they've gone through a place of injustice and harsh treatment. Now God's brought them back together. And here they are. This is the day of blessing. And it's today of revival when the ark in 2 Samuel 6, uh, verse 16, comes into the town. David is rejoicing and celebrating. Because his heart is free of bitterness, he stayed in the place of honor. His wife is not part of it. The reason she's not part of it is bitterness against her father is now bitterness against her husband and against all men. And she just looks out of the window, despised. See, dishonor. The dishonor for her father has now become dishonor for her husband and for all men. And so when David came back to bless his family, she bursts out with his dishonorable comments. Who's the king today? You're dancing around like a stupid fellow out there. Kings don't behave like that. He said, I did it to the Lord. I'll do more than that. And the Bible says that she, because of this, was barren for the rest of her life. And if you follow her story, she raised some other children from family member and all of them were put to death. Because of this, she was barren. Because of her bitterness, because of her dishonor, she reaped a cycle of destruction in her life. There is story after story in the Bible like that. And it's to teach us that there's a wonderful promise of God. Jesus honored his Father, and the Father has lifted him up into a place far above every other place. Jesus chose to honor his earthly parents. He chose to honor God's representative, John. He chose to honor his father by living a life that pleased him. Everywhere Jesus went, he honored people. He lived and carried the culture of honor. That's something you could decide to do, and it will change how you relate to people. It'll change your impact in the world. I want you to close your eyes right now. Close your eyes. There'll be some of you here who are wrestling. When I start to talk about a father, even though it's Father's Day, and for many people it's a happy time and there's laughter and so on, for you this is just a deep ache. Your father was abusive, angry, distant, cold, abandoned your family, betrayed the family, had another family somewhere. Or perhaps he was just very passive. We have no idea 
why he behaved that way, but no doubt he was suffering something that happened to him. But you could be different. Instead of repeating that generational pattern, you could make a decision to repent and forgive and to bless. And you could choose to honor your father if he's still alive or his memory if he's died. You could choose to put on the gift of honor and start to see people the way God sees them. Through intimacy with your Father in heaven, you'll feel His value for you and be able to give it to others. Many Christians struggle. They can say, well, Jesus I can connect with, but Father in heaven I don't connect with. It's because you've got unresolved issues when the word Father is mentioned. Jesus came to represent the Father. Father God is not like many fathers in this culture or in my culture and the cultures of the world. He's affectionate. He's loving. He's kind. He's firm. He engages with you. When the prodigal son returned, the Father saw him was moved with compassion, ran and hugged him, embraced him, kissed him affectionately, forgave him, established him. That's the Father you have access to every day. Why don't you make a decision? I will forgive those who've hurt me. So if you're here today and there's an issue with a father or an issue with a mother, this would be the day to respond and say, God, I'm willing to forgive. If you're a father and you're repeating the pattern of your family of emotional distance or harshness and you've never told your children you love them or spent time with them to find their heart and their dreams and to speak encouragement to them, don't hide behind culture and say, oh, that's the way we Asians are. That's not heaven. That's not God. That's an excuse for sin. Let God transform your heart so you're able to represent the Father heart of God. We're going to stand in a moment. And I believe there's many people here needing to experience healing and release. It may have been a father, it may have been a mother, it may have been a school teacher, it may have been someone in authority somewhere. Someone has really knocked you and hurt you. And so you've closed your heart and hardened your heart and said, I'll never. God's saying, open your heart again. Let me love you. Let me love you so you can honor others again and specifically honor your parents. If you've done things that have hurt your parents' heart, go to them and say, I'm so sorry. When I did this and said this, please forgive me. Everybody, let's just stand right now.